gluten. People love to hate the stuff. While lots of people really are gluten intolerant, some folks have symptoms that are similar to gluten sensitivity, but it's actually a different problem. In this episode, the good doctor discusses FODMAP sensitivity, non-celiac gluten intolerance, and wheat allergies. He explains why you're better off eating foods that are ingredients rather than with ingredients when figuring out your food sensitivities. Roll the intro! Good morning, everybody! My name is Dr. Trevor Cashy, and I'm your host of... Oh, this was empty. Crap. <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. This is awesome. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Why is your coffee cup so tiny today? And I'm here to tell you it's not. My hormone replacement therapy regimen is going extremely well, and I'm actually three times the size. <sighs> Some other updates worth mentioning. The next update is, remember... In the first episode, I was like, holy crap, I gained like 900 pounds overnight. Well, I'm here to tell you that three days later, three days later, I went back to an all-time low of this fat loss phase of 235. From that, what was I, like 244 or something? So I ended up hitting that low weight that I told you guys about. It was only a few days later. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to take Mrs. Cashy out on a date. So we went to a sushi place, and I decided to have a bowl of soy sauce with rice on the side, and now I am back up again to 238. So that just goes to show that this whole process, when you plot out that graph, it looks like a sawtooth wave. It goes... And the more data points you have, the smoother it looks. Okay? So I'll keep reminding everybody of that because that's a huge boat of contention with everyone, including me. So this makes me feel better to talk about it, too. Now, what else are we going to talk about today? Pubzilla is, is on the case here. Now, I'm going to address one of these questions that is submitted by the one and only Mel Batterman, who's being coached by Ben Oliver right now. And I'm going to try and reinterpret this conversation because she called me up and she was like, Yo, Dr. Cashy, I got some people that think they have gluten intolerance. And I'm pretty sure they don't. So how do we help people that have fake gluten intolerance? And you know what? I was like, Mel, this is a perfect opportunity to do a coffee with Cashy. And she actually submitted this formally, but we were on the phone the other day. And so this is like, all right, we on the phone talking about fat stuff. And so I'm going to address this in a way that I think is fairest to everybody, Mel. And I'm going to record this and get back to you. So now we've got the fat phone on the case. All right, that was a ton of fun. I'm going to talk about the gluten, the glutening, that the shining, the glutening, and just in time for Halloween too. So there's there's four specific issues I want to address when it comes to, to gluten and gluten-related sensitivities and all that stuff. I need to bring my thumb back in, so there's actually four. Is number one that I'm going to bring up 
is FODMAP sensitivity. I, th I think a bunch of you have probably heard of FODMAPs by now. They've been, they've never really been popular, but <laughs> they've been talked about for probably the last 20 years and in recent years they've become more popular. And I'm going to give you the fancy definition of it here. I can never remember the P in FODMAP, so I'm bringing it up. They are fermentable mono, nope, it's already out of order, fermentable oligo, O, D, di, M, mono, where's the A part? Oh, it's the saccharide. Okay, so they're fermentable oligodiamonosaccharides and polyols. Okay, FODMAPs. And polyol is also a, uh, a word for sugar alcohol, okay? So remember I spoke about like those crazy gummy bears from Amazon and all sorts of other like diet foods that are made. There's a ton of sugar alcohols put in them to bring the sugar content down and the calories down a bit. And it makes you a little upset in the tummy. This is why. And I will tell you that <clears throat> I will tell you that gluten intolerance is real. I will also tell you that intolerant people, um, gluten doesn't like them either. And so when it comes to FODMAP related stuff, FODMAPs are, are in everything. So these are tiny little carbohydrates, okay? Oligo, di, mono, Saccharides, so they're actually sugars, okay? They're just varying length sugars that you cannot digest them when you eat them. But the bacteria in your GI tract can, and it is the bacteria poop in the form of gas that causes a lot of stomach discomfort with people. <clears throat> and it is one of the primary reasons a lot of people feel like they might have some sort of gluten intolerance or gluten allergy or wheat allergy or whatever. And so if you're interested to learn more about FODMAP related stuff and or how to just what foods don't contain a lot of FODMAPs to see if my tummy is upset by them, then I will send you that power foods list I have because it is free of all the major allergens and most of the foods that contain high amounts of polyols. So polyols, yeah, FODMAPs. So you can just leave a, leave a little dude in the comments and I can send that out to you if you don't have it right now. But the Power Foods list takes care of all that stuff. The Power Foods list is pretty sweet. I'm getting my hands in here. Yes. So that's the first thing I want to say is that wheat does contain, does have FODMAP content. And so a person can eat wheat, still have stomach issues or whatever issues people have, headaches or brain fog or whatever the, the side effect is, are. Um, and it could not be the gluten content at all, it could be some other component of the wheat. And I'm gonna keep moving on here to talk about the next part is that there is what's called a non-celiac gluten intolerance. And this can mean a bunch of different things, but it is, as of right now, a, a condition in the, I'm trying to move my mouse here because I can't see myself, perfect. This is, a, this is a condition right now, it's not a diagnosable condition, but it's something that uh, scientists are looking at in the literature. And it's when people eat gluten, like if you have a control group and, a, and an experimental group, one group has like, here's sand, right? Because it doesn't have anything in it. And the other group is like, here's gluten that has the same texture as sand and both groups are gonna drink it. Some people who are in the gluten group, they still get messed up, but they don't have celiacs. And there really isn't a huge explanation for that. Um, there is there is a huge iatrogenic component, which I will get into in some other episode of, of Coffee with Cashew, but basically the mere suggestion that something might upset your stomach or make your body angry is enough to cause a person to 
have a poor reaction to it because, of course, some people get poor reaction to the inert substance as well. And this is called the nocebo effect. So I don't have an answer at all about non-celiac gluten sensitivity other than also bringing back the power foods list because there are a ton of foods, ton of foods that people are intolerant to. And intolerance has a very crappy scientific or clinical definition right now because there's really no way to measure what the heck is going on. We just know that some people eat some foods and they feel crappy after they eat them. And you know what? I'm not going to call people out for that. If you feel crappy after you eat a food, then don't freaking eat it. There are plenty of foods to choose from. And if you're having trouble choosing foods, then I will help you choose more. And the Power Foods list is a great place to start for that, okay? So we covered FODMAP sensitivity. Okay, your tummy has issues digesting these fermentable oligo dimonosaccharides and polyols. Great, there, plus one for me. Covered the non-celiac gluten intolerance. Basically, there's now a cat clawing at my door, excuse me. But I also have a sweet microphone that allows me to walk around so you can still hear me yell at the cat. Excellent. There is this thing called non-celiac gluten sensitivity and it basically falls in line with any other food that's kind of like, People say they have a sensitivity to a food, but they're not really full-blown allergic to it. And I kind of have this own, I walk around with this own theory that I dream about once in a while. I haven't tested it in a clinic or anything. That there are plenty of foods that people are like one out of 10 allergic to, right? So you, you, you eat one food, right? And nothing really happens, right? There, there are foods that everybody is kind of responsive to a little bit in, in a negative way. Um, I think like dairy and soy and egg and things like that. Everybody is allergic to them, allergic, but like maybe a tiny bit, like one out of 10. And so if you eat five or six, one out of 10 foods, the immune response, I'm pretty sure it compounds. So it manifests itself as a five out of 10 response in your body and you feel like crap. And what ends up happening is that people are looking for a single food that's causing them to feel five out of 10 crappy, when in reality, it's probably six foods that are all one out of 10 that makes you feel six out of 10 crappy. And then you step back and go, what is the one thing? And then people remove one food at a time and nothing changes because going from six to five is not a proportional change that's going to have an effect on any sort of negative body response you have to foods. And again, this is why I think the Power Foods list is pretty sweet. It is, it is, it was a ton of work, okay? They're talking and working with a ton of people who have some tummy issues and other autoimmune issues and whatever. They're foods that basically, like, if you chop everything out and just ate these, this is stuff that pretty much everybody responds okay to unless you have some weird, like, um, nervous system issue or dysphagia where like you can't eat and or the food texture itself causes some GI problems. So that is something I did want to discuss is that, okay, maybe the person is one out of 10 uncomfortable, but then they're also eating other foods that make them one out of 10 and it's difficult to determine which one it is. And that's why, again, the power foods list is sweet. So never discount something like that. That's why a lot of people are walking around feeling cranky all the time about their diets, like physically cranky and they're looking for that one food that's causing all these problems. Like, I tried eliminating it, and that's why. Because they're probably a combination of foods that's making them feel crummy. And once you eliminate those things, it might take 10 days for everything to calm down appropriately, which is actually one of the reasons I'm a fan of fasting in some cases, but I will not open up that box of worms. It's a box of worms. Is it a black box and a can of worms? The next thing I wanted to talk about after 
The non-celiac gluten intolerance, which I said is a thing in the literature, I'm not sure how legitimate it is, but I gave you my perspective on it, is wheat allergy. And this is something that is interesting, is that, okay, a lot of people, they're not celiacs, they don't have celiac disease, but they still might be allergic to other components in wheat because there are other proteins in wheat than gluten. And gluten is a combination of proteins that end up combining into the evil gluten after there, after there is some other biochemistry that's happening. And so, just like humans are made up of a bajillion different proteins, so is every other living thing on planet Earth. There's other proteins, like we are, we are contained, we are contained, we are made, we are containing other proteins than the gluten. And it is definitely possible to be allergic to one of those other proteins. And this is why some people can have wheat-related stuff with the gluten more or less removed and still have a negative response, which is one, okay, maybe there's a FODMAP issue, right? They're, they're, poor, they're responding poorly to the fiber that's in the wheat. And there's other proteins in the wheat that a person can be allergic to as well. And those manifest as different side effects um, and different clinical manifestations, like sometimes you get a rash or whatever. Those things tend to vary a lot between people, so I'm not going to get into that. But basically, people know if they eat something, man, this isn't right. Sometimes they have GI issues, sometimes they get rashes, sometimes they get like cystic pimples and stuff. I see that a lot with dairy, but I have no like, I have no scientific consensus on this. I have some gut feelings, pun intended, about the sort of manifestations. But again, a person might be allergic to something in wheat that is not the gluten, which is something interesting to think about. And last but not least, here's the big one. I'm saving the best for last year, right? We covered FODMAPs, we covered non-celiac gluten sensitivity, we more or less covered wheat allergy. And there's the big one. And this one gets me excited, is because wheat is in everything. Some people would consider that bad. I think it's awesome because wheat is very nutritious and it should be in everything. If it's cheap and it keeps people fed and it gives people the energy they need, then by golly, it is a fantastic public health food additive. Is it a food additive if it's a food? Yeah, I think strictly speaking it is. I might make some food processing material on that. In either case, it just so happens wheat is almost always combined with all of the other top eight allergens and other foods that contain FODMAPs. Y'all ever seen a pizza before? I mean, I have, it disappears after, quite quickly after I see one, but I can tell you that wheat is in pizza, but so is cheese, and so is egg, and so is soy in some cases when you're looking for plasticizers and elasticizers, and so is fish in a lot of cases, and sometimes, and so like, you might get six out of eight of the top allergens in a pizza. And then you could be like, I ate pizza and I feel like dog crap, the gluten is hurting me. But if you look at the ingredients in pizza, any one of those things could be causing problems, and that's probably the case. You're probably getting a 1 out of 10 negative response from every ingredient in pizza, and when you add it up, you have 7 out of 10 Krabby Pants. Krabby or crappy, whichever, okay? And that's the kicker, is that <coughs> trying to find these things in isolation is almost impossible because if you are a healthy person, I talk to people all the time, unfortunately, that like, I talked to Mel about this and she was like, man, my client, she went to the doctor, Dr. K, and, and the doctor said there's nothing wrong with her and I don't know what to do. We're having some issues and I really want to help this person. And I was like, Mel, she's absolutely right. 
Both of them are right. The doctor's right that there's nothing wrong with her, but he's 99% right and 100% wrong. It's just that we don't have the ability to measure what's wrong, and she knows there's something wrong, and people get gaslighted all the time. Like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Go home, whatever. And if that doesn't cause some iatrogenic illness, I don't know what does. Right? Just by feeling crappy and going to the doctor, the doctor saying there's nothing wrong with you, if that doesn't increase anxiety, which then manifests itself as other crazy um, issues with re poor responses to just the environment in general, that's something that needs to be considered. So, again, the last thing I want to focus on is wheat is almost always combined with other foods that people have poor reactions to. And so keep that in mind. Nobody ever actually has wheat in isolation unless they wake up and they have a bowl of cream of wheat with water and maybe some sugar. So you're not going to have an allergic to sugar. That doesn't really work that way. So keep that in mind. It pays in situations like this when you're looking for foods that make you feel gummy or crummy or crappy or whatever to check out the Power Foods list, of course. Leave a comment if you need an extra copy of that. And to swap your, you don't need to go through the full-blown elimination diet thing. Um, you save that for clinical-related cases unless you want to try it. Like this other person may have been, may benefit from something like that. It's that you swap from foods with ingredients. A lot of people have foods they are with they have foods with ingredients, right? You go to the store and you buy a you buy a frozen pizza. Excellent choice. I think it's great. Pizza is a pretty well-balanced food, honestly, but it's a food with ingredients, right? You buy the box, there's 10 million ingredients in there because that's what it takes to make a pizza. You go from foods with ingredients to foods that are ingredients. And that is the easiest way to swap out your diet to try and figure out which foods I might be one out of 10 um, sensitive to. Because now your meals go from 38 million ingredients a piece to four, right? Chicken, rice, broccoli, olive oil, whatever. It can be as simple or as complicated as you want. But when you have foods that are ingredients rather than foods with ingredients, your self-awareness about all these things ends up going sky high and your quality of life will go up a lot within, you know, arbitrarily about a 10-day period after your body comes down. So that is my rant this morning. Um, this is me. Thank you, thank you, Mel, for the, thank you, Mel, for the idea. I hope I hope the fat phone waves are getting to you from here. All right, awesome. That's all I got, folks. If you have anything else, make sure to leave your own question in the form, which I think Mrs. Cashy may leave in the comments as soon as she wakes up after hearing me yell at everybody. And by golly, I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out!